Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park It was glorious. I have censored it for the honor of whomever is reading this on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Behind the Sins, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to Behind the Sins, weekly look at everything going on inside the world of CinemaSins. I'm Aaron Dyser, and I'm joined as always by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And Danae Hughes. On Zillow, looking for a new home. Just kidding. Just kidding. We write for CinemaSins and TV Sins and do various other things inside the CinemaSins universe as well. Uh, you on Zillow, huh? Yeah. I I went to this website because we were having a conversation about property value, and so I just popped over. And, and now it's a sickness. I can look into people's houses legally, and so I am. <laughs> cute oh that's cute oh i like that oh is that what the inside of that house looks like i've always wondered i'm such a peeper it's amazing isn't it um yeah it really is the uh, snl commercial uh that they recently did with the zillow where uh when you're in your late 30s it's no longer about sex it's about surfing zillow and that's uh <laughs> that's where you get all your interest it's crazy i'm actually looking at a house right now that has a panel in the middle of the living room that's clearly for like plugging things in to the mm, middle mm-hmm. of the floor. Nice. And that is a direct, that is directly related to a sin we're going to talk about. Today? Later. Yeah. Okay. Right? I don't or know. Is that? I wasn't, it wasn't my sin. I remember you talking about it, but I didn't know if it was <sighs> for this week's show. Maybe it's not this week because we're not doing an, a WandaVision this week. Okay. I'll have to save this for, for next week. Well, no, no. I'll just say it. There was a, there's a, uh, something I was trying to sin on a WandaVision where I saw a, like an outlet in the middle of the floor. And I was like, that's dumb. And Aaron said, no, they used to do that a lot. <laughs> and I'm they like, did. I've, nev- I've never seen that. And here I'm looking through Zillow randomly and there's a power outlet in the middle of these people's I lo- living room. I, the- I wish I had stuff like that, man. Really? That sounds amazing. Yeah, that was that was something that started popping up about that time where because people wanted like lamps and stuff in the middle of the floor. And so you'd put like a an end table or something over the outlet and then it just plug right down into the floor. That would be cool for phones like if you're sitting in a chair right you know you yeah just chargers your... that kind of stuff yeah sure yeah well if no, we I do think that'd be great if we do the thing that aaron said we're all just going to be constantly power charging from everywhere that's right Wireless anyway. we're, not, electricity. we're not doing that we're not doing that <laughs> we're not doing that uh no i look forward to it so much uh just as we continue to age and it's just like i don't trust this technology you can't send uh, electricity through my home without wires 
<laughs> is that what we're going to sound like? I, that's what I, I plan on sounding like when I'm that's older. What I, that's his imitation of me, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, shoot, I lost my train of thought. It doesn't matter. It's okay. I'm pretty sure you just wanted us to start the show and no longer talk about anything charging. No, 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 no. I did have I did have something to say about all that, but I don't remember what it was now. But it it, it doesn't matter. Well, hey, fair. if we know if we know you, you're going to think of it right in the middle, and you're just going to yeah. say just it. Just blurt it out. I'm just going to be like bananas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Uh, all right. Well, with that in mind, we'll go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about this inside scoop. What's he building in there? I've got a secret. I've got a secret. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. This is a true story. We're going to take a look from the at the videos for the week, the uh, process of sending them, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, Jonathan is already so stressed about this that he's he's squeezing his stress ball. Uh, yeah, no. I'm, Do you have a stress I don't, ball? Uh, yeah, my, uh, my daughter, uh, gets these, uh, they're called fidget toys. Right. You, you get like a box of them off Amazon for like 20 bucks. And, uh, I think I play with them more than she does. So, yeah, I need some but of it's those like, for sure. It's like Rubik's cubes and like squeeze balls. And like, this is like a gel thing. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, there's uh, like, uh, like pads with buttons you press and yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be a really cool gift. I probably need to do that. My, my husband, he, when he's nervous or just has whatever nervous energy, he's constantly biting his nails. And so he switched over to a stress ball. I do that too. And yeah, his, it's cool. So just, and Iris is doing the same thing. She chews her fingernails. And then uh, she also sometimes will be like, can I have a stress ball, please? <laughs> so <laughs> I use them a lot while I'm writing. It, it's, oh, yeah. Nice. Aaron, nice. you have that too, where you, constantly kind of oh, want I'm to always, be moving your hands yeah around. i'm always fidgeting i i have to have something in my hands to be messing around with but my th- version of fidgeting me. is looking at other things while i'm supposed to be yeah, focusing today, on that's the show. not fidgeting <laughs> <laughs> it's just distraction. It's, it's mental fidgeting <laughs> <laughs> okay we call that something different there's a different word for it okay sure. it's called distractibility but oh, okay. It's, it's okay Uh, Let's get into commercial sins. Cheetos. It wasn't me. This is the commercial from this Super Bowl that just happened. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a very new commercial. Very quick uh, turnaround on that. Uh, Chris wrote this script, this Atkinson script. Um, Yeah. What about this one, guys? We eat Cheetos? I do eat Cheetos. I do as well. I I hate that they're so messy because that sometimes gets on my nerves. So I just have a napkin at the ready. But um, (laughs) eat them with chopsticks. That's what we learned. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've already had this conversation. That's right. Yeah, I totally chopsticks. Forgot about that. Yeah, I still haven't tried that. I need to get some chopsticks. Uh, but I know I love Cheetos. They go with uh, most sandwiches, like inside and, uh, the sandwich or as no, a side. Although now I want to try that. It works. Uh, I love crunch in yeah, my sandwiches. It works. I do put ruffles, like ruffles and lays, like plain. I, I put those like in my ham and cheese sandwiches and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. if I'm out of cheese, I'll just use Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> Never done Doritos in a sandwich, but I bet that's tasty. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a question about uh, Super Bowl commercials. Do you guys still do that? That used to be the biggest thing. Is like I don't watch the game; I just go for I mean, the commercials. And I just no. I mean, I I watch the game, so I watch the commercials. Right. I just stopped. I like. I just there were. They they started to be this thing where like the good ones were always available online anyway. So if I would hear. Like, oh, this was a hilarious commercial. I could go online and, and yeah, watch it. Yeah, you asked us. You mm-hmm. said, hey, guys, are there any commercials I need to look up? Because we apparently did your research for Yeah, you. no, that's, that's, so. that's yeah. I'll use, use you for whatever I can. But no, I watch, I watch the game live uh, because I'm not weird like Aaron. <laughs> and um, so, therefore, I see the commercials. I don't, like, I go, I mean, I don't watch all of them. But if I'm sitting in front of the TV, I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Uh, the Dr. Squatch, uh, is it Dr. Squatch? What were, uh. 
You had mentioned I haven't gotten a chance to go look at yeah, them. Yeah, those but. were my favorite. But apparently, those were really popular, uh, like online or something. And I'd never heard of it before. And I just saw the Super Bowl commercial. I did not particularly like this one. Yeah, yeah, this so. one was a little bit weird. A little bit weird. Today, do you uh, do you watch any of the Super Bowl festivities this year? <laughs> no. Okay, that's just what I thought. Well, I mean, that's not that weird. Your husband watches it, so. Yeah. No, he did watch it this year. I just yeah, because he was tweeting about it. Yeah, we Iris and I were hanging out playing with Play-Doh and, you know, making important memories. I'm it kidding. wasn't I'm kidding. It's it, a joke. There's important memories around sports and I recognize that. It wasn't a good game unless you were uh my wife's family and rooting for Tampa. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, mean, the... I was rooting for Tampa, but I but it still wasn't a good game. Like I no. I would have preferred a, a better game. Growing up um, we just were not a sports family, so we were definitely more of the commercial family. My mom in particular loves commercials. She is the person who literally will call me and say that she saw the funniest commercial. Mm-hmm. She will describe the commercial and not know what the commercial was about, uh, like what the company was for. Yeah. She'll she'll like tell me the story of it. And so the commercials for anything is what she loved. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember that being a big deal. The, those were always the... The, the best parts of football for me personally was the halftime show and the commercials. Yeah. But that was growing up and I haven't watched, yeah, I mean, since the internet really and just being able to watch it on demand or watch a commercial later whenever you want to, I mean, I have not, that's not been a drive for me for a long time. But what did you guys- I, I basically see them during sports. Yeah. yeah. What did you guys think about the, this one? Well, do you want me to read what uh, Chris had to say? Sure, yeah. He said- we wanted to do basically an instant commercial, and the Cheetos ad was one of the first 2021 Super Bowl ads to be available on YouTube to watch on repeat for the Sin script. It stars real-life couple Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis in that classic commercial trope. A spouse-slash-lover-slash-best-friend has been taking their personal stash of, insert awesome product here, and apparently does don't live in a world where they can both enjoy said product. There's only one bag of Cheetos in the world, and it's Ashton's, and it's a violation for Mila to eat them. This uses the parody of Shaggy's 90s hit, Wasn't Me, complete with Shaggy in the commercial giving it his blessing. He's just there at Mila and Ashton's house, which led to a couple of sins about Shaggy maybe being a figment of Mila's imagination and that he was secretly living in their basement. My reference to Parasite is perhaps my favorite thing I wrote in this script. It's a simple sin, but I do love referencing Ashton Kutcher's awful pop chips commercial from 2012, where he dressed up as a he dressed up and painted his face as an Indian man and talked in a stereotypical I accent. I do not remember this. Yeah, at all. I didn't either. I'm I glad don't either. I don't. How does he remember all this stuff? He's got a he's got that brain. He's got that that memberberry brain. Well, and if I if I had seen Ashton Kutcher dress up as an Indian, I'm sure I would remember it. I just I'm saying I don't think I've ever seen it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I did not watch this commercial uh, outside of the Sins video, and it it's it's targeted right to those of us who know the song and watch the '70s show and are you know Mila to Shaggy and, and at, yeah Mila and Ashton fans. This is this is a target to me, and I was like, hee, this is fun. <laughs> right. It really does depend on that, right? Like it's it's marketing that depends on, uh, you know, I just mentioned Memberberry, you know, like Memberberry gumbo. You know, it's like it, the all these things that you remember and have nostalgia for. It doesn't matter if any of it makes sense. It's just like here's a bunch of stuff that you have positive feelings for. Let's put it all in a gumbo my, and see how it works. 
I do have you to guys s- do that in your household? The it wasn't me thing. My wife and I do that all the time. Like if no. we ask a question and then no. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't <gasps> something I did. I'll be like, it wasn't me. That's yeah, we funny. Do that. no. I've literally yeah. never done that. Me either. That's so, interesting. It's just fun. a song we both like. So. That's yeah. amazing. Um, I, Maybe we're the only ones. <laughs> no, there's no way you're the only ones. It was. It is fun. This one's a fun one. But I love commercial sins for this reason. Um, commercials are just really interesting. They evoke such strange, quick emotions mm-hmm. to try to tie some kind of an emotion to a brand. Fascinating. Also, in that can we way. talk about how Shaggy looks like he's younger than, or just the same age as Ashton Kutcher? <laughs> Right, and he's got he's got to be like what in his sixties. I have no idea. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. He's been around for a minute, like you know. So yeah. I would guess at least fifties. But uh, yeah. What about the looking uh, good, sir? The sins themselves, uh, Jonathan. Why don't you kick us off? What are some of your favorite sins from this video? Um, yeah, I wrote a couple down because, like I said, I don't want to take any away from anybody. But um, I like does Mila see Shaggy and Ashton doesn't is a question I didn't think I'd be asking in twenty twenty one. Yeah. And then I also liked when he, the thing about Mila just decided, I'm just going to straight up gaslight this motherfucker. <laughs> I had that one written down as well. Uh, also, who does eat a cheetah with four fingers? I do want to know that. <laughs> this is a great question. It is a legit question. It is a legit question. One of those that as soon as it came up on the video, mm-hmm. I imagined myself eating a cheese Cheetos and I just kind of gripped it. Like, yeah, I don't do that. No, you try to keep as little of it on your fingers as possible. But then yeah, at absolutely. the same time directly after that one i just wished that i ha- was holding a cheetos when you're so, when you're eating cheetos by hand you have to identify your cheeto hand and do nothing <laughs> yeah. else with that hand yeah, and don't true. eat cheetos like, with your like, other hand it's like, the same as eating wings it's the law you you like identify you a cheeto hand and you don't divert like you like, like you don't divert from the wing hand right, right? Yes, it's the exactly. same thing yeah that's right it's like shaggy is Shaggy's 52, by it's the way. It's like in the old days. You wiped with your left hand and you shook with your right hand. That's why That's right. that was a thing. Oh, That's right. you're supposed to do that different? I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, kidding. Well, now okay. we have what's called soap and hygiene toilet and all those kind of things. That, but like, yeah, 15 ply toilet paper. Right. Yes, exactly. I can't remember what Jason uh, what Jason Lee calls it in, um, in Mall Rats when he... Uh, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> It's gross. Uh, I also had listed um, in what world would Mila Kunis ever have to rate a bag of Cheetos designated for Ashton Kutcher's use only, mm-hmm. which we've already talked about uh, just a little bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, you mentioned all my others. Jonathan, what did you have, uh, Danae? I loved the Cheeto prints uh, with the ending of the pinky needs to stay out of it. I thought that was <laughs> That's right. a That's wonderful right. thing to point like out. And how everything tea. was white, which is just a brilliant part of mm-hmm. Cheeto's commercial. Um I, I honestly expected there to be far more prints everywhere. I thought it was a really clever commercial. I really liked that one. So. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's move on to TV sins. We will uh, we will take a break from WandaVision this week. Uh, we'll have some more WandaVision next week. But we're going to start with South Park. Make love, not Warcraft. This was a Dicer Hughes script. Danae and I writing on this one. Uh, Danae being the World of Warcraft expert <laughs> on the team. Had to get her nice. uh, on <laughs> this one. Is that true? Yeah, I, I played World of Warcraft. I had oh, my own guild for uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. years. Yeah, we talked about this. I yep. remember now. Apparently, yeah. you met your husband on World of Warcraft. You got married. Yeah, that's exactly War- right. Yeah, we met in a raid. <laughs> Iris was conceived during a uh, the mm-hmm. batch of World of Warcraft. Yes, yep. all that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this this is a, apparently one of the most popular and loved South Park episodes, and uh, so we are. Ugh. 
We are doing it. Uh, I take it you didn't like it, Jonathan. Is that what that means? Uh, I did. I I watched the video when when I had to review it. Uh, I have not watched it since because yeah, there was it's a, a triggering lot of, for you. Yeah, there was a lot of pimples popping, and there was a lot of uh, shit in uh, bedpans. Literal so, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did not rewatch for the review. I'm sorry. In fact, Aaron even said, "Hey, can you take another look at this and make sure it's good to go?" I was like, "I cannot. <laughs> so <laughs> I will not. I will not do that." <laughs> But I, that was my favorite sin, though. Just Aaron, just going, why or no, wow, yeah, like wow, yeah, specifically wow. <laughs> World of Warcraft, W O W. Uh, yeah, it it was it was definitely I when I watched and I I'm not like a South Park guy. I've seen a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. I think they're funny. I think Trey and Matt are are if not geniuses, right on the edge of just being geniuses. Like the, ju- yeah. they're just really smart with what they do. Um, but I've just never got into the show, and it's a lot to tackle. I haven't either. Um, I haven't either. And but man, I I watched this episode and got to that part, and I was just like, I didn't even think you could do this. Like is like that's just <laughs> you're showing a a child have diarrhea. I, I just I it was just I was just like it, it blew my mind. I was I was like wow yeah definitely I, I it, def, if they weren't if so. I did yeah, that felt like a reaction to the scene itself. Yeah, if, like yeah. that's it. <laughs> If I didn't think Trey and Matt were geniuses before, I know they are now. Um, it was just that kind of incredible work from them. So. No, and it's, this episode was kind of funny. I mean, out of like the, I've seen like maybe 15 episodes probably over the years. And I, this wasn't one of the ones I would put as one of the better ones. But yeah. I, I guess I get why people think it's funny. Yeah. I don't know that culture that well either. I don't know the Warcraft culture and stuff like that. So I'm sure it's poking fun at that in really interesting ways, but I just don't get it. You know, I think so. I think it would liken it to if it was. Um, oh my god, I cannot think of that really really popular video game right now where people parachute in and build stuff. Minecraft. Nope, nope. You parachute Sim in. City. And you you're kind of like you're you're in survival mode. I think you can shoot the other people and you can build things and ah, oh, what is the name of that video game? Are you talking about Fortnite? Yeah, Fortnite. Okay. Oh, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. I feel like because it's now Roblox. Roblox is the big one now, but yeah, that's what my daughter plays. Yeah, Roblox yeah. is is the the. Well, I thought I thought Roblox was like where you can enter into a whole bunch of different chat room scenarios. You can. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of different games you can play, and you okay, like so like my daughter is... has one where she's building a house. Yeah. yeah. So Roblox is like multiple things yeah uh, yeah and you have to spend twenty dollars every now and then if you want to do something fun <laughs> of course i've of course you do i have a lot of 1999 charges on my uh on my credit card i mean that's true for world of warcraft as well i'm I, sure I'm, i make that comparison because you know in world of warcraft you can dance with people you you have this mmorpg thing going on mm-hmm. which was of course really exciting at the time um so and there was just a lot of yeah internet nerds and so it's them making fun of this entire nerddom and the kids getting super involved and yeah uh i think i think if you're watching this episode at the height of world of warcraft it would be even funnier now it's just it's like oh yeah okay you're making fun of the old guy you know playing mm-hmm. world of warcraft just sitting you know idly at his computer i've seen that joke so many times now but i think that they were probably that first at least that first line of comedy uh creators Right. making fun of the content. Right. Uh, but I missed it when it came out. I also, like Jonathan, have only seen a handful of episodes. I wasn't a big South Park uh, 
I didn't really enjoy South Park too much when it came out and I wasn't really incentivized to watch it, but it was really popular and people talked about it a lot. I did see the movie. Can't get that time back. And, um, I still have. <laughs> I do like the movie. Those fucking songs are still stuck in my head because oh, they're so good. Cl- they're so clingy. They just mm-hmm. cling yeah. in there. And they uh, that's are, why they're good. And they're brilliant. They really are brilliant. Um, but they constantly push the boundaries of comedy, including the sin that we should no longer talk about because it is triggering for Jonathan and let's honor that. And, and I just realized... Oh, no, it's fine. I'm not watching I it. I just so realized, care. Jonathan, it is my entirety of my keeping tabs is going to be triggering to you. Um, so what? no worries. Apologies. How did you need Earmuffs. to look up shit? Listen, as long as I we'll don't have to there. watch it, I don't care. We'll did get you there. really, I know, we're Aaron, good. though? We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, uh, my we're God. Good. We're good. All, all's oh, well. my God. Jonathan, what are, uh, what are some of your uh, sins you wanted to point out from this one? Oh, I didn't rewatch it, so all I can tell you is I did remember it being very funny. But uh, <laughs> all I can tell you and- is that I watched it. You're pulling to me. Respect. I should I should have written my stuff down when I did the edit uh, yeah. when I reviewed the edit, right, but I right. forgot. So, Danae, what about you? Um, I wrote down that's Magist. I thought that was brilliant. I I loved so many of of your sins, actually, Aaron. Oh yeah, um, I really like that one. That's Magist. I like yeah. that one. That was- <laughs> did you did you like the one where it was showing them killing boars and the sin was boring montages? Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. That really happened. I, yes, that really happened. Okay, I really like that one. <laughs> no, I really, I do. I laughed really hard at the video. I just don't remember it because it's been like a month and a half. It has since been a while. It. Yeah, we held <laughs> this one for a little bit. Um, and then of course, just being able to point out issues of how the game actually works i thought aaron did a great job of doing research about that and then i got to point out a couple too that i just instinctively knew the entire premise of this is that they have to get to this character who's killing everyone else um and that's it's the premise of this episode is so freaking dumb because first of all in this game you just respawn so if you die you just come back to life at a graveyard and run back into the game. So there's no real stakes. It's not like you're, it's not like a true character death or something. Right. Um, so there, there's that. And the second thing is, which they, they kind of, they kind of explain away this one is that this person that's killing all these other characters is somehow hacked into being able to do that. Where if you play the game, you can't kill other pe- people's characters unless you're in a specific mode. So anyway, um, I, I like being able to just, Unless they have the sword, then your son's character is going to die. And then it's just like, except he's going to respawn. So why why drama? Well, the other thing you kept pointing out that I really liked uh, was how just the the impetus for them having to go find him was so ridiculous they had computers all around them at wow headquarters like there's so many other ways they could have done this so much easier um yeah i thought that all that stuff was really good too yeah we have to put the sword into a usb drive all the way to the city to give it to the kids that are playing the game rather than plug this usb into the computer six feet away from me and we get that that's the point we get it's the point that it's ridiculous it just it is a sin still like it's just Mm -hmm. you know you're it's very forced uh to have to do that that kind of stuff um i also uh enjoyed screaming my moons were meant to be over my hammies um i enjoyed that sin uh quite a bit uh talking about my cousin donnie there was some uh conjecture in the discord that donnie was a pseudonym for danae uh because you have played world of warcraft Uh that is actually not true i hate to let people down but i actually do have a cousin named donnie it was just a name i pulled out of the air um (laughs) For... so weird yeah we called Danae Donnie she <laughs> yeah it. probably wouldn't yeah. be the first time 
nope. like a telemarketer or something is is called it's you something. It's mostly like, I get Denny. Denny, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Denny's. I mentioned Denny's and Donnie's, but moons neither over my I hammy. Know. Yeah. Where's my moons over my hammy, Denny? <laughs> that's right, Denny. Denny. Uh, is that half a donut on his desk? Have you ever tried to set half a donut down after taking a bite? Uh, I do. I do like sins like that because I had a friend that would eat half a cookie. Well, we we both have someone down. right here who ate half a jelly bean once and set the rest down for later. So, <laughs> <laughs> but my wife thinks it's weird. I stick a whole Oreo in my mouth, but whatever. Right. Yeah. No, that's just efficient. I was gonna say <laughs> I don't know any other way to eat Oreos except you know one one bite at a time. Uh, which is a full Oreo. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I mentioned the other stuff that I liked um, that uh, that we had talked about with you mentioning the different is, things. So It is fun to send a classic. That was a lot of fun. Uh, all right, let's move on to another Rick and Morty. M. Night Shamalians is the name of uh, this one. Uh, this was a Hughes Watkins script and, a, and Jonathan writing on this one. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're ticking off those first season Rick and Morty's right now, mm-hmm. getting through them. This is a really funny one too. I love David Cross as the yes. uh, as the alien. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny because David Cross has one of those voices that I immediately mm-hmm. recognize, but it takes me way too long to figure out who it actually is. <laughs> right, recognition is different well, than placement. And I get him and Patton Oswalt confused. They do not sound alike, but they're both very funny, and they voice a lot of cartoons. So. When I just when I hear the when I hear a voice that I'm familiar with, I have to be like, wait, is that Cross or Oswald? Which one is that? Yeah, yeah. The first the first time I heard uh, David Cross, or that I was introduced to David Cross, and um, oh, I'm just gonna forget his name. Bob Odenkirk. Yes, was from Mr. Show. Yeah, yeah, one and, of the greats. Yeah, and I remember I, w- I was working at this pizza joint, and uh, some of the cool guys that worked there we're all talking about Mr. Show. And so um, when we would hang out, one guy would always bring over the disc to watch. Mm-hmm. And cause you know, we didn't stream stuff then. <laughs> and yeah, it was hilarious and fun. And so I really enjoyed um, seeing both of them in other things. Mm-hmm. Cause I just really enjoyed the content that they created. And so I think I did, I actually did a Mr. Show outtake on this one. Yeah. Oh, did you? Which one? Uh, it's the one uh, where it's um, his voice at the end talking about the supermarket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was from Mr. Show. God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I thought this this was great. I had um, many sins down uh, because for some reason the aliens are unable to simply listen to the conversation. They must look and listen. Yeah. That whole that idea hilarious. that all of a sudden they wouldn't be paying attention because people were naked. Um, yeah. The premise of this episode is really interesting because you've got this like essentially Rick is figuring out that he's inside of a simulation. And then as the show develops, it's just these different levels of trying to figure out, does Rick know that he's inside mm-hmm. a simulation multiple times or not? And and is he going to outsmart these aliens? And um, I think this is maybe one of the ones I've enjoyed the most, just watching it in general. I had a really good time with this one. Nice. I mean, I, I, in general, enjoy Rick and Morty, but for whatever reason, this one I really liked, except for the child nudity stuff. That was that was odd. I find these just when we go back and send them, I get more out of them just yeah. because we're paying more attention to them. And it's just it's crazy, like how much is interwoven. Yeah, there's a lot of detail, it. a lot of detail yeah. there. 
Um, trimming your nose hair while driving. Anytime we can do a while driving sin, I'm all about it. Uh, making out with dead skin cells excreted from a scalp. Uh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I think I just had written making out with hair. And then today's <laughs> like, today's like, how about we do this? I was like, that sounds good. Nice. Uh, well, you looked at your grandson's simulated genitalia. Mm-hmm. Um, was just a great call as well. A lot so. of questionable uh, things that Rick had knowledge of in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like the location of the showers was another one I had written down. <laughs> uh, all that stuff was well well observed. Um, what about you, Jonathan? Uh, you did some of them. I, why is Rick digging in this rat since it's a simulation? I thought that was really a good obser- observation. Uh, celebrating math. I thought it was very funny. And then just us, the Dave Ramsey thing was interesting because uh, like maybe the night before this dropped, uh, Jeremy happened to tweet something about how he didn't like Dave Ramsey. <gasps> Had nothing to do with this, but right. it was just, I was just reminded of that when I was like, oh, this dropped like the day later, the day before that. Yeah, so. Dave Ramsey had a, a Twitter moment a couple days ago yeah. where he said something about uh, if and with we don't have to go into like thoughts or details or anything. I'll just tell you what he said. He basically said, uh, if the stimulus check is going to be a big deal for you, you've got deeper problems. Um, yes, and that is just if nothing if nothing else is an insensitive thing to say when you're a multimillionaire. <laughs> yeah, he's so. uh, yeah. Uh, he is not afraid to be insensitive. Uh, no. It is no, it true. is he's one of those people where you're like embarrassed by the people that are in your area. Uh, yeah, because he's, he's in Nashville. He's, yeah, yeah, he's Brentwood. Yeah, he's he's or he used to be in Brentwood. I don't know where he is now, but yeah, he's out of Nashville. But he's got a nationally syndicated uh, yeah. show where uh, people call in and give their sob stories, and then he tells them. But you're right; uh, it is what weird. They should do it is it is weird to have that, that weird timing. That Dave Ramsey call out, you know, in a video mm-hmm. that was written like months ago. You know, <laughs> yeah, and it had nothing to do with that. No, it had to no. do with the fact that every time I hear Baker Street, which is a beautiful song, I just always think about Dave Ramsey because that's the song he uses for his show, yep. and it irritates the crap out of me. Yep, because that. By the way, I love the end of this show too, where Rick just sits back and starts doing that song. That was yeah, so funny. Yep. Today, what about you? Uh, I really enjoyed your delivery of the I broke my brain. So shout oh, out yeah. to, to you for that. That was Thanks. really fun. Writing these can get a little bit uh, daunting sometimes because in that particular sin, trying to convey that we're sinning simulations instead of simulations and zooming into things and you're really trying to explain it in a way that makes clear sense concisely uh, mm-hmm. while also having some humor and just your delivery of the grunting headache noise bleed moment. And then <laughs> I broke my brain was great. It was great. Thanks. I'm really feeling like you remember early on when we were doing this show, I think we talked about how the <laughs> editors at one point have been like, yeah, give us challenges. Like, you know, like they like it when we do something interesting that they kind yeah. of challenge. I feel the same way as a narrator. I, li- I like the the sins where it's like, yeah, do a funny thing. <laughs> like, you know, do do something different here or whatever. Like challenges are I fun. Like how Creasy, so. I like how Creasy was the one that said that when he guessed it on this show. And then he went away from our account. <laughs> That's yeah. right. So he basically screwed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Too many challenges. Too many challenges. He's like, yeah, challenges. Give us something to do. And you know what, guys? Oh, by the way, I'm going to yeah. go do something else. Yeah. Yeah. See you later. It's been great. Um, And I also really enjoyed uh, being able to send the English stuff where um, watching this episode, 
I was seeing English and I was seeing alien. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if there's an inconsistent scene sin here somewhere to kind of go through. But, you know, they're in a simulation and they're trying to trick Rick. And so I'm just going to kind of I think that can be explained away, essentially. Mm-hmm. But then at the very, very end, when there mm-hmm. is no simulation any longer, they have English up on their uh, window panels mm-hmm. celebrating that they finally got this, you know, this magical mixture of time travel juice or whatever they've got. Yeah. Light speed. Yeah, that was a good catch. So it was fun to be able to go, oh, and the thing that sucks about those is that then you have to go back through and go, oh, where were all those times when I saw English? But it ended up uh, working out and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it worked out well. Uh, let's move into music video sins. Cardi B uh, doing her version of the Pixar movie Up. Um, so. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Today, let's hear what Barrett has to say first. Barrett says, I like the direction Cardi went in her video. I didn't call attention to the fact that she was using a white man as her table in the set with the champagne bottles. But I think that an image like that is emblematic of an artist that's a little deeper than a lot of people, especially pearl clutchers claim about her the song is fine the beat and the instrumentation reminds me a bit of kendrick lamar's humble the sin about butts was interesting i was trying to find out a new way to approach the butt since the butt's (laughs) been in my face for nearly seven years straight and like i said i still like the butt but i've now started to question my love for the butt it's a complicated relationship with the butt is what i'm saying indeed uh i am not desensitized to butts mm -hmm. just fyi yeah, I mean, that still is, got time. that's why you get your shot there sometimes is because butts are desensitized a little bit more than the rest of the body. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I don't, got, I don't got anything to say. What do you guys got to say about this song? Nothing. It's catchy. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> uh, what about what about the sins? Jonathan, why don't you start this time? Uh, Cardi's made it clear that she puts the pussy on offset, not the back of her knee. I thought that was pretty nice. Um, who the fuck are these assholes? I always enjoy uh, just sins like that where it's just like who the fuck is this just observational i just love the way barrett read what does it mean what does it mean (laughs) that's the one i had and uh i don't think that goes on your face when she's holding the uh what is that a dildo i guess she was holding yeah it's really weird talking about this video i know (laughs) that's why that's why i had you start uh jonathan why don't you lead us into this amazing cacophony of amazingness uh i liked i like cardi though i liked uh chumbawamba didn't know what tub thumping meant mm-hmm. and that clearly worked out well for their career I thought that was yep. hilarious uh okay that's it cardi's officially out of sex rhymes time to shut it down <laughs> folks it's really funny and then i had to mention the snozberries taste like snozberries yeah. as they're licking each other's tongues uh i thought that was hilarious <laughs> today what about you snozberries references are always good always welcome mm-hmm. always welcome here I have nothing to add. Okay, fair enough. We will move into the <laughs> cinema sins for the week. Uh, 500 Days of Summer. Uh, this was an Atkinson Scott script. Uh, so let's hear from them first before we talk about our own thoughts on this movie. Um, okay. Jeremy and Chris both have stuff to say about this. Jeremy will start off by saying, okay, Tom is an asshole and Summer is not perfect, but better than Tom. I think think the movie is trying to subvert romantic comedies by having the protagonist be a dick who doesn't really deserve love and so the girl leaves him simultaneously subverting the manic pixie dream girl trope and if so fine as an experiment in this uh in that nature success as a movie that's fun to watch not so much 
It's hard to find anyone to root for in this movie, but honestly, the bigger problem for me is the structure. It hops around all throughout the relationship with seemingly very little rhyme or reason, and we end up just seeing a series of meet cute moments and a series of arguments all mixed together like a salad made of marshmallows and vinegar. That's disgusting, but well done. I mean, that's it's the perfect example, right? Like, just imagine eating a salad of marshmallows and vinegar. No, stop. Move on. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had to research that Belle and Sebastian lyric she quotes in her yearbook because something struck, uh, stuck out to me. And of course, it turns out that album wouldn't have been out yet. The movie also gives the finger to the entire concept of time. Anything, sorry, anytime it straight up tells you a month or a date, the movie is lying and didn't bother to do any calendar math to check itself. I really liked this movie when I saw it in theaters. I now cannot for the life of me figure out why. My favorite sin is the one Chris wrote about the sad downpour in the notorious rain corridor of Los Angeles. Oh, and I wrote a sin that had to be cut. I even marked it as, quote, this has to be cut when I wrote it. <laughs> but I'm going to write it so you can see it. Yeah. Um, I've done that before with Chris, uh, yeah. actually. <laughs> uh, it's where they are doing karaoke and he sings a poison song. And I wrote, also, he's singing Every Rose Has Its Thorn in 2008-2009. That's a repellent he probably thinks is an aphrodisiac. There was only a three-month window when singing poison songs got girls. <laughs> um, it was glorious, but it was only three months. I have censored it for the honor of whomever is reading this on the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's what the asterisks were for. Hold on. So the, it was, there was only a three-month window when singing poison songs got girls. Beep. Got it. Got we'll it. never In, know what that beep was. Jeremy's amazing brain. I have brain an idea. Here. I'm gonna. I have a guess. Probably probably rhymes with sweat. But I imagine it was much more descriptive than that. If I know Jerry, uh, Jerry. If I know Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Jerry. Who's Jerry? You know Jerry. Do you know Jerry? <laughs> I don't From know Rick Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> of course. Uh, Chris then adds, we wanted to do 500 Days of Summer way back in 2013, but for whatever reason, after scouting the movie, I didn't consider it cinnable. We moved on. I cannot remember what the philosophy was back then that prevented it from being sinned, but much like Watchmen, which was in that same boat back in the day, we skipped it until later. I think it was because back then it was hard to imagine sinning relationships and the decisions people make while in them, which by and large are choices real people make every day. We had not, quote, opened up the sin rule book just yet. I actually like this movie. One thing I didn't realize when I first saw it uh, was how the movie portrays Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, the idea of hero in your own story, where you're the protagonist, no matter what terrible thing you did, had not quite permeated my brain back in 09 when the movie came out. It's clear that's what the movie is going for. JGL isn't a great guy, or at least he's not as great as he thinks he is. And Zoe Deschanel tells him right off the bat that she doesn't want anything serious. Of course, in JGL's mind, he's thinking that as long as this doesn't come up again and they hang out slash date for months, that the, quote, I don't want anything serious, unquote, label melts away, leading to the conflict later when he finds out she's just not that into him. Both Jeremy and I took turns hammering the naming of the movie, which is super inaccurate. My favorite thing that I wrote involves the discussion of The Graduate. Sins like these are fun, uh, out-of-body experiences. You can have writing sin scripts because I don't believe anything I wrote about The Graduate, but I decided to take a stance that was ridiculous for the laughs. 
the famous scene at the end of the movie shows Dustin Hoffman stealing Catherine Ross from her wedding, and they end up on a bus. Supposed to be a happy ending, but Mike Nichols left the camera on and the actors didn't know what to do. And that translates into the what now moment at the end of the film. But by taking the stance that they're actually happy, it's not my fault Michael Nicholas left the camera on, you can get into some really fun alternate realities. I've never seen this movie. You've never seen 500 Days of Summer? I don't know why that surprises me. It just seems like a a quirky fun movie that would have been right up your alley. Like, I don't know. Well, I think I was tired of people saying, you remind me of Zoe Deschanel. (laughs) Yeah. You should watch this show or you should do this, which, of course, just makes me not want to. People... (laughs) I, I know i get that people must like kind of qualify you in like kind of that manic pixie dream girl kind of like yeah thing like because of your quirkiness and that kind of stuff i bet you probably got that a lot with people like zoe and and different things like that so yep. yeah i'm sure that was annoying yep um, i don't even remember when this movie came out i i thought early 2000s I, when i was looking at it i, I like jo- uh joseph and i like zoe and so i thought maybe i don't know i don't know why i skipped this one Jonathan, what are some of your thoughts uh, on this? Uh, I agree with Jeremy, like almost 100%. I might even like it less than Jeremy. Um, I think this movie thinks it's saying something, and it's not. But I, that's just, that's my take on it. I, I It's the the Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I'm not really a fan of, his character is just so awful. Like, just so awful. Yeah. And then he kind of gets rewarded at the end of the movie, which is really irritating for some reason. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, maybe he just does the same bullshit. Uh, but, you know, I think the movie basically is saying that dating under 20 sucks. It does. And uh, yeah, that's really all I feel like it has to say. Right. And but I feel like it thinks it's saying more than that. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I didn't yeah, enjoy I, watching Toxicity for two hours, but that's just me. I, I, I must need to watch it again because I, I remember really enjoying it. I don't mm-hmm. remember thinking that character was totally awful. Um, and even in watching the sins video, some of the things that are being called out as awful are, are awful, but they fit with the, like kind of what the story is doing, what the character is doing. And like, it doesn't, they, they never seem to stand out to me in the movie as like, oh, I can't root for this guy. It was more of like, oh, he has some learning to do. He has some maturing to do, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And I thought that's what the movie was about. It was about maturing in your understanding of what relationships are, how they work, I think, you know. I think that's what the movie wants to be about. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what I took it for. Like, that's how I remember experiencing it. But um, it's just, he comes off just, uh, I, I don't know. I get it. I get I it. And, and and maybe if I watch it again, I'd feel the same way. In fact, it's probably likely that I would. Because, again, my brain has changed since 2009 as yeah. well. So, And it, do, it doesn't help that I'm not really a Levitt fan. Like, I, I typically don't enjoy right. him in movies. Right. And so I do. That probably, I am. So. That factors into it. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, Zoe Deschanel, I don't, I don't dislike her, but I've never really... I don't think I've ever been in love with her the way, you know, the way a I lot am. of people have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just, not a new girl fan. Just to be clear, uh, I am a huge Zoe fan. Uh, I think she's great. That's absolutely. No, I mean, I, I, I don't dislike her by any means. Right. She's perfectly fine. I've just never really thought much about her as an actor, but she's fine. Right. Um, yeah, I, I kind of liked this movie, but I haven't seen it since it came out. So it's been 10 years. So certainly mm-hmm. lots could have changed since then. It's been about that time I've seen it. Those are just the memories I have of it. Yeah. Well, let's get into the sins themselves. Uh, Danae, why don't you kick us off with uh, some of your favorites? Um, absolutely nothing dates this movie harder than fucking Wii Tennis. Loved that. <laughs> nice. Um, I think it goes without saying, but running through an Ikea to make out in one of their bedroom displays is a sin. 
Just wanted to point that Good. out. People, <laughs> anyone does that? Crazy. Uh, the the sins that were about the computer screen, and this kind of points out to something that both Chris and Jeremy pointed out, so don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but the sin uh, where kind of pointing out the email, so it starts with uh, the whole, all, how the dates essentially don't work. Right, yeah. But the lead-in one is hilarious because it's like first off and second, and the first part is Tom has an email with a subject of lunch that came from a, a sender called Info, Info, and that's just weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it kind of kicks off the the actual point of the sin, which being the calendars with a fun in, uh, fun in. And I liked that a lot. And then the penis game, there was a couple of them, but the the one that was like, uh, look, I understand playing this game. I did it at Best Buy just the other day. <laughs> so, uh, but then pointing out if you do this at a park, you're on the sex offender list. Yeah. I liked this. Good stuff. Jonathan, nice. what about you? Uh, not noticing Minka Kelly is a sin I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, judgy convenience store managers. Yep. I thought was really funny. Um, and then... Uh, that movie is full of lies. So Tom read that movie correctly. Life just sucks sometimes. I thought it was really, <laughs> was really a good point. Yeah. Uh, you guys mentioned most of mine. I also had, uh, is the narration also going to disparage Jenny Beckman? I just, <laughs> anytime you do a callback like that, it's just going to get me. Yeah. I love callbacks. I think they're so much fun. Uh, offices t- uh, do not have office-wide cake parties when a single employee gets engaged. Time is money, people. This is America. Uh, it, it is true words have never been spoken. Uh, very nicely done. Let's move on to Phantom of the Opera. This was a Hughes share script. Danae writing on this one. I was very busy this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that because you're, I mean, I, I, who knows the mind of Chris as he assigns things, but, uh, would you consider yourself like a Phantom fan? I know you've talked about liking the music. I don't know if he knew that or not. I'm not sure. I didn't ask him. But I am a huge Phantom fan in that it is the first opera musical kind of ex- exposure that I had. Uh, one of my friends, when I was in third grade, had uh, the music and we became best friends. And so and I was over at her house regularly for sleepovers. Like She was a really close friend of mine. And we would listen to this uh, album over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm sure we annoyed her family thinking about it now as an adult. Just imagine in the other part of the house, there's two prepubescent girls singing Phantom of the Opera at the top of their lungs, trying to hit the high notes. That is what, (laughs) that is what life was like. Um, It was intense. Uh, But yeah, I, I would read through it's also one of the first times that I um, kind of started to get obsessive over material. I read the pamphlet that was with the album, um, which had all the lyrics to all the songs. But then it also had these little blurbs that gave you an idea of what was happening kind of in the scene. Because I was, from the music, trying to figure out what was happening on the stage. So, you know, there's sometimes that you are exposed to cult, uh, a story in a specific way. So someone might have read the book first. Or somebody might have watched the movie first, or someone might have seen this on Broadway first. My first exposure was just the music. Uh, so me too. Anything that was on the stage, I had to figure out where to find that information. Right. right. Um, I actually still have a Phantom of the Opera book that I picked up at a bookstore um, as I was attempting to learn more, and then of course just learning that there's a lot of different iterations of Phantom. Sure. My. Uh, enjoyment of it faded as you would imagine it just kind of like went off into like the background 
But one of my only goals that I, I feel like when people are like, oh, what's something that you want to do? It was usually always, I want to go to New York and see Phantom of the Opera. And it just seemed like such an impossibility. But then I actually got to do it. My grandfather, when he passed away, he had put a little bit of money aside for all of his grandkids. So I got $1,500. And I just sat there. I was like, what should I do with this money? I've got bills to pay. But I mean, what would he want me to do? And I realized like he would want me to go do something I've always wanted to do. So I took that money and I went to uh, New York for four days Philadelphia for four days and Washington DC for four days. My cousin was living in Philly at the time. And so, and she was used to going around those areas and we just walked around. Uh, we stayed at, uh, you know, simple hotels and, um, we didn't have enough money for phantom. And one day, uh, she's like, we're going to try to go get those like last minute tickets. It'll be the nosebleed seat at the back of the theater. Uh, but we'll find out like in an hour if we can go. And then we found out we could do it. We literally raced across New York. It was like an epic scene from a movie, jumping onto the subway, running from one stop to the other, racing down Broadway. And we got to the theater and one of the people who had the extra ticket, because uh, we all had different tickets from different places to make it, she wasn't going to show up on time. And I just was standing outside of the doors of the Phantom of the Opera, crushed because I was going to miss it. Um, and, and my cousin looked at me and she's like, you've wanted this your whole life. Go. And I was like, okay, and I grabbed my ticket. I bust into the doors and the lady was like, if we go now, we can get you to your seat before it starts. And I was like, go. And we were, and I was so out of breath. We were running up these stairs and these are like the steepest stairs ever because we're going mm -hmm. up. We jump in. Everyone's always in there, already in their seat. She's got the light. I, I'm getting up and like, I feel like I'm about to hit the ceiling of this theater. I'm up so high in the back. I sit down literally right as the gavel hits for the uh, auction. Oh, wow. I literally am whole, I'm gripping my seat. My, I'm sweating. I'm panting. I don't even care who around me thinks I'm insane. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I start reciting the entire thing to myself <laughs> <laughs> because I know every lyric to every song of this thing. And I was sobbing. I was just like, it was so cool. It was one of the coolest things ever. That's amazing. Had you seen this version of the of, of it before in the movie, the 2004 movie? No, so this was before the movie. No, but have you? I, I guess no, you were saying, I'm did saying you now, see it before as a you Phantom send fan, it? Have you have you seen this the oh, movie now? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have another question. What, so your friend was from Philly. Was she uh, Westbourne Philly, born and raised? Yeah, on no. the playground. She played most of her days. She was, was that... my cousin. She was a grad student going to grad school there. So she wasn't an actual local Philly girl. Did she end up in Bel Air? Yes. Very cool. shortly after this, it was epic. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. She, they called her a princess. Uh, she was <laughs> the princess. Why can't she be a prince, Aaron? Why can't she be a prince? Oh, uh, that was taken. That was already taken by somebody else. Uh, so, yeah. No, I, oh, I am glad to share that story with you guys. But this movie was uh, when it came out and I watched, it, I was like, um, yeah, there's just nothing like listening to the album with Sarah Brightman and Michael. Is it? Uh, oh, what's his last name? Anyways. Uh, as the phantom these just th those are my phantom and christine right but sending this was a horrible because you like i have i haven't watched it with my sin brain i haven't processed this information with my sin brain this concept for a book or a story of it's just so fucked up <laughs> like this is genuinely fucked up there's this creepy old guy okay. living under the you know um the opera house who has been 
grooming a small child since she arrived as essentially an orphan to become his song bride. It's so messed up. It is pretty messed up. Stories can be messed up. That's okay. If they're well told. Yeah. 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 Um, the movie is also difficult because it, it, it reminds me of when I picked up the album and I won't spend too much more time on this, but when you pick up the album, it's just, it's song to song, to song, to song, to song, which is what this movie is. It's, it, it gives you so little context to the story. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the most difficult parts for me in writing this with Barrett, uh, I agree that the sins should be in there, but there's a lot of, uh, there's several sins, um, kind of aimed at the timeline, like. It was just yesterday that Christine had this happen and now it's the next day and and she's on stage and things like that. But that there's actually time passage between these moments, but the movie fails to address those. And so it's very cinnable. Um, So I kind of sometimes had to turn off how much I know about the story. Sure. And sin the content itself, uh, which was a very interesting experience. Uh, So, yeah. But it was it was fun to do, and it was unfortunately very easy to sin. If I have seen this, I have forgotten it. Uh, I I think I have, but I I was so familiar with the album and the music that I think I just didn't care for it enough to even remember it because I don't remember watching this. But I'm sure yeah. I have. Yeah. Um, what about you, Jonathan? What are yeah, your? Yeah, I don't know. I I thought I had seen it, but then I was watching the video and I was like. Maybe I haven't. I, seen isn't it. that weird? I just I had the same feeling. Yeah. My first my first introduction to Phantom actually wasn't a Phantom of the Opera. It was uh, Brian De Palma made a movie in the seventies called Phantom of the Paradise. Hmm. Uh, Paul Williams wrote the music, uh, and it's 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 the same type of story. It's just like it's like a it's like a glam rock version. Um, and then I also, when I was a kid, Robert England played uh, Freddy Krueger. He played Phantom in uh, in a in a movie. I think in eighty nine. Uh, and I remember saw that I saw the universal too, like the old, uh, the old universal movie, Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. It's in the twenties. Uh, and then I feel like Herbert Lom played him at some point too, but I could be wrong about that. But, um, but anyway, so I've seen various versions of it. I'm not as into the music as you guys are. I don't mean like I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what the songs are other than like the main, you know, the Phantom of the Opera. Um, it's just never hit me in the same way. Uh, but but it seems like a very, very good musical. Um, think of me, think of me fondly. <laughs> no, Aaron. <laughs> but I think I think I've seen it. But I just I don't. I feel like I would remember Gerard Butler. Like so, maybe I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember when it came Young out. Gerard Butler. It was interesting because yeah. people were like talking about it. It was a. It, it, I don't mind that the story is being reintroduced to people, but it just in this probably direction. There was so much thought and so much money that went into the creation of this movie. Um, including Frank, uh, the Frank, Franklin Lloyd Webber. I'm getting Andrew. his name wrong. Andrew. Andrew. Thank you. Um, Franklin. <laughs> uh, he was a part of this. Mm-hmm. And of course he's very familiar. Um, once married to Brightman. So, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a really interesting, the creation, I kind of got more into the creation of the movie when researching and kind of trying to yeah. catch sin mo- moments and such. Uh, but yeah, it's just hard. It was hard to enjoy this one because I felt like, Emmy's instructions to be Christine was just to be this mindless, emotionless singing puppet. It was just right. very, it was very lackluster in performance, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and Gerard as the Phantom was a very confusing thing. Like it was just very confusing. That'd be really weird now, right? Like if he got cast. I mean, I mean he's older now, but I'm just saying, if he got cast as Phantom today, you'd be like, 
What? Well, I but mean, you've got then, you've got Russell yeah. Crowe and Les Mis. That's you know exactly what I mean? What I was like, it of. still mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a that's a really good point. Yep. Uh, and maybe have... I'm thinking of Les Mis. I've seen Les Mis. <laughs> yeah. I know I've seen yeah. Les Mis. Maybe I'm thinking of that because. Um, Barrett said, when I put the Sin hat on, I started out pretty hard on Phantom of the Opera, a movie I've really enjoyed in the past. The little things got me. The portrayal of Minnie Driver's character as shrill when she's a typical operatic soprano. The synthesizer score. The instant fucking love story between Christine and Raul. Oh, and the fact that they were childhood sweethearts when he was probably in his late teens, early 20s, and she was roughly seven. Also, I have to say, I was primed to hate Gerard Butler's voice in this since nothing about him screams Broadway chops. But after he got through Music of the Night, he kind of won me over and did the movie, It's as did the movie itself. It's super, uh, it's still super nonsensical and easy to sin, but I have some affection for it's uh, lodged in my heart. You might say, I think of it fondly. <laughs> and then he says, also, those doll heads in Cardi's videos scared the fuck shit out of me. <laughs> and we're back to Cardi B. <laughs> uh, I'll kick- did he really do that? Yes. Did he really go back to Cardi yes, B? He, yes, yeah, he, he did. really did. He did. He did that on purpose. Uh, here are some of my favorite scenes. I hope so. <laughs> I liked I uh, you spelled Harry Styles wrong. I thought that was really funny. Uh, more like the pouting of the opera, am I right? Uh, that made me laugh. Hey, who does the Phantom's hair? That looks way too good to be self-administered, uh, even with the copious <laughs> amount of candles. Uh, when you realize you brought a monkey to a diamond fight. Uh, that one really slayed me. <laughs> What about you, Jonathan? Uh, I had geezers stare down. <laughs> How many peeping opportunities are there in this opera house? That is kind of uh, the point, though, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you know, the, the Phantom obviously has created a place where he can look in on Christine or whoever. Yeah, that's everyone. Not, that's, that's not creepy. No, not at yeah. all. Um, I mean, it is basically a horror story, right? Which yes. I guess that's kind of yeah. what Universal did with it. I don't know if it was intended that way, but. Oh, I think so. Uh, I think you it can is intended. Easily, yeah. You can easily turn it into that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, op blocking, mm-hmm. I thought was a great use of that. And uh, can't you let her have a small break to at least process some of this shit? <laughs> <laughs> was fair, <laughs> very funny. Uh, Danae, what about you? Um, scream singing their way to the roof, I enjoyed the um, triggering the textbook dungeon floor trap. Which, by the way, one of my sins was cut from there. Uh, in that moment, he falls to the floor trap into the water. And then from above, there's something that comes down over the top to trap him in the water. But doesn't that mean that he would have fallen onto it if he was falling from above? Like he would have fallen onto the grid oh, yeah. that yeah. trapped him below. Maybe, right. yeah. yeah. So uh, that one was that one was uh, cut. Yes. Um, also, oh, I wanted to point out the whole Harry Styles thing. What's interesting is the person in that image, I believe, is a Broadway actor who plays the Phantom. And he also plays, uh, there's a scene whenever you see Christine's dad dying, he's, he's the dad there in that scene and also like on the thing. So, but, uh, in real life he has played now the dad in this movie, Raul and the Phantom. I think he's the only person to have played all of them. If I remember correctly. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's kind of like a little. So that had to be purposeful uh, casting. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of that too. Like even Raul, the person who plays Raul, he is a really well-known opera singer. He's really talented. Um, Okay. Uh, I wanted to point out the Franks one, which uh, is not in my 
keeping tabs, but it was something that we looked up. Um, it's incredible. Actually, you know what? I, I will. I'll just do a couple quick for keeping tabs with oh, the Franks thing. Okay. I'll come back to that one. Um, but uh, also so many questions about Christine coming down uh, that first time in that epic song uh, about the horse. And is she hallucinating? And is there a horse? Um, the horse is actually a nod to, I think, the books where he takes her on horse. But also it makes no sense for the movie. Like, OK, OK, we're just giving all these wings and nods to all these versions of Phantom. But also it makes no sense. Right. You, you kind of have to integrate it in a way that makes sense if you're going to do it. Yeah. But I mean, if you this is Joel Schumacher, too, man. Have That's you seen true. Batman and Robin? Yeah, nothing has yeah, to make sense. It only makes sense if you've <laughs> seen Batman and Robin. Yeah. I was so glad that Barrett wrote a sin about those massive um, statues yeah. in mm-hmm. the graveyard scene. Because I could not figure out how to like properly sin those. But my God, they were huge. These, And mm-hmm. it did. It totally had the that vibe to it. Um, uh, let's see. And the other one that I really love, this one was, was Barrett's. It just made me laugh is it's cool to have your own gondola and everything, but isn't this like the Parisian sewer? And even if it's just a storm drain, this place has to smell like absolute shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I have uh, several more written down. I'll skip all of those to go to my favorite outtake of, uh, the WWE Daniel Bryan. Yes. Chant over yes. the crowd. Yes. Yes. That one. I, I have several outtakes I really love in this one, but that one it was a great outtake. It was a good outtake. It was a great outtake laughed. package. It really was. It really was. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, oh, and I just remembered the uh, the naked statues, and I forget what the sin was, but it was basically like, uh, boy, they sure do want the the young people to come see the opera in this town, don't they? Or something yeah. like that. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> uh, yep. All right, let's move on to keeping tabs. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hey, podcast peeps, it's me again. Um, mm-hmm. those are my dogs. Mm-hmm. Those are my. Uh, every time I try to talk. Wow. Uh, is this how Aaron feels? When we're. Okay, we're going to try this. I just wanted to tell you about the survey again, which is at cinemasense.com slash BTS. So go fill it out. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to bitch about movies and share pornography with one another. Ha ha! Oh, jeez. This is the most public yet of my many humiliations. 
We're each going to talk about something uh, from the process of putting together the content for the week. Uh, I have already said that I'm going to trigger Jonathan. Jonathan, you can close your ears, but I did do uh, research for diarrhea euphemisms uh, when we were doing the... (laughs) (laughs) No, I want to hear this. (laughs) When we were doing the the South Park one. Uh, Turns out there are a lot of diarrhea euphemisms. I've probably heard all of them. Go for it. Um, So I had a meeting with the toilet that ran longer than I expected. Uh, was one of my favorites. Nice. I think one that a lot of people use is I got to go pee out of my butt. Um, so. <laughs> oh, I've never oh, heard God. that. That's never. Awful. Oh, my never God. That, <laughs> that is awful. Uh, excuse me. I have to attend my last meal's funeral um, is one of them. A bubble that gut, go apparently. Both. Have you ever heard it called bubble gut? No, I got some bubble gut. I don't know. Oh, that was a- no. I'm regretting my decision to listen. Yeah. <laughs> You're brave. Chocolate rain. Chocolate oh rain. Um, and then Jesus Christ. Possibly my favorite. I could poop through a screen door and not hit any metal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. No. Come on. That's really funny and clever. Oh my goodness. Uh, anyhow, there you go. I was a little <laughs> bit of research that Aaron did. Uh, trying to think of something funny to say with the, uh, the diarrhea. But instead, I just went with wow. Just wow. Um, what about you, Jonathan? Uh, the only thing I wrote on was Rick and Morty. I, I did look up because the yellow pop tart, we had that sin about yellow pop tarts can't jump. I was trying to figure out what that pop tart even was. Yeah. What flavor would be? I could not find, yeah, I could not find a yellow pop tart. They do currently, although it's a brand new flavor, it's, they have a lemon groove, but even it's not yellow. It's just got like that flavor in it, but it's basically pop tart. Yeah, so I, I couldn't uh, like yeah, it's like pea pop tarts. But I um no, I couldn't I couldn't find a single pop tart that is yellow. So if anybody has that, and I don't know, I mean I don't know where I could have looked to find it. So I ended up just writing a different type of sin than what I was going to write. But um I did though. I was looking at the flavors though. I didn't know some of the stuff. Man, pop tarts have changed. <laughs> yeah, since I was a Times kid, they have, have a, changed. When I was a kid, it was just strawberry and chocolate. Those were the basic. Yeah, the, blueberry. The two. I remember when blueberry. Oh, blueberry. Yeah. I remember when that became a thing. Like that wasn't even like a thing for a while. But like they have a Fruit Loops Pop Tart, which I actually want to try. Mm-hmm. Uh, salted caramel pretzel, red velvet cupcake. It's just like you, I mean, at this point, you're just having dessert, right? For I mean, that's the thing breakfast. that that, that uh, you know snack food companies do now is they just make a ton of flavors and they you know yeah. they wait for them to hit and they make them seasonal sometimes We're, and. Yeah, Were you a frosted or non-frosted? I was completely non-frosted. I can't. Me too. I, I like. Me too. I loved the. My favorite part of the pop tart are the edges, just the crust. I love I, whatever that way. crust is, and so the the frosting. Of course, I'm not a frosting per person in general I'm because it's too sweet. But um, but yeah, I loved cinnamon. No frosting was beautiful. Oh. Straw, strawberry. No frosting yeah. is great too. But that's my favorite. But uh, when I went to uh, college, my Parents sent me with a bulk order of strawberry no frosting <laughs> pop tarts. I had a box like like this of like five hundred pop tarts, not in individual boxes, like sleeves, like you would like have for like uh, like thin mints or something. But it was all like strawberry yeah. pop tarts, and that lasted my. Did you toast them? No, no, I always ate them plain, and I, that lasted my entire freshman year. I so did, I did yeah. like toasting them, but um, but I was non frosted. Yeah, strawberry totally. was my big one. Yeah, so good. Gotta love the tarts. Today, I never liked them. I I had to smother them in butter before. I the first that day sounds would, good. The first time I heard people put butter <laughs> on pop tarts, really it blew my mind. 
And I, it makes total sense to me now, but I was just like, what are you doing to your so Pop-Tarts? It's so yummy. It's so yummy. You obviously, it instantly begins to melt. Mm-hmm. If there's if there was no icing on it, then it would do what it does around the crust. And that's the best right. part with the butter because it just melts directly into this. Well, let's just call it what it is. It's cardboard. <laughs> so... But you're not saying peanut butter. You're saying just straight up butter, butter right? Yeah. Butter, yeah. Okay. Real butter. 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 That sounds yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. I like that. Yep. Um, my keeping tabs, uh, I have two for the Phantom of the Opera. One is based on a sin that was also cut, uh, which I pointed out that it was, uh, to me, very evident in the Opera House that there were two types of lighting. There was the gas lights that you kind of see that are in the background all around with Um, gas pipes that would light the opera house. But in the seating in this uh, area where all the crowd was, there was uh, electric lights um, and the timing would have been off for that. Uh, So uh, electricity would have come to Paris after um, the movie was created or the time frame that the movie was saying. So uh, there was an exposition in 1881 that showed a public display of how electricity uh, was used, but Paris would uh, and France would actually adopt this like later. So um, in 1887, there was a destruction of the Opera Comique by fire, and it gave a new proof of the dangers of gas. And uh, the study for electricity as a substitute really began then. Um, so they were behind their sister capitals in Europe and very far behind the larger cities of America in the public use of electric light. And it was not until 1888 that the city government of Paris took up the whole matter earnestly and after consideration adopted the plan, which up to the year 1907 supplied the city with electric current, both for illuminating and power purposes. I found all of this uh, on a, a Academy of Political Science this was by A.N. Holcomb, and it's an entire report of the electric lighting system of Paris and the history. So it was really interesting just to kind of read about that. Uh, they have these bulbs in the theater, and no- none of it moves. There's no flickering. So I think it yeah. was very clearly off. But, you know, you can write a sin that's a sin, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, so sometimes it doesn't okay. work. Yeah. But interesting to know. Something else that's interesting to know is this whole 20,000 francs. So uh, when we count for inflation, the Phantom was making roughly $4.2 million a year <laughs> Wow! Wow! in his payout. Um, so uh, I did research on multiple places. This was one of the places that I went to. It happens to be a Reddit thread. Uh, just asking, does anyone know how much a Paris opera would actually make? And is this figure accurate? Like, is this possible? There was a paper that was written on ehes.org that goes into details but essentially, the, pal- uh, the Palace Garnier had 2,200 seats. They calculated for tickets and sold at performances, uh, estimated the performances over the course of the year. Uh, about 14% of their remaining profits is 240,000 francs. So they would have had enough to pay the Phantom his 20,000 francs with about 40 left over after paying everyone, according to this kind of like series of thoughts. And essentially what they're saying is that um, back at this time, the Opera House was the central place for entertainment. It was film. It was music. It was theater. Mm -hmm. Nobility was going. The rich would go. The poor people would go. Um, It made a ton of money. And it was absolutely possible to pay the Phantom 20,000 francs. Wow. Nicely done. Nice research. (laughs) 
that's that's crazy doing research for stuff that's just wild you've just brought such a new <laughs> level of of stuff to the team now we research stuff it's incredible now the sin in the video is very purposefully overinflated right like to very obviously be an incredibly crazy number right um so nice all right well let's move into the comment section i want to know what you're thinking i appreciate your honesty you're a real straight shooter you are the ones who are the ball lickers. We're just going to take a look at a comment from some of the week's content. Could be from the videos, maybe Discord, maybe Twitter, wherever you want to pull it from. Uh, today, kick us off. Uh, Susanna on uh, the Phantom of the Opera says, not sure whether I should be impressed or worried that you took the time to count every single counter ca- candle in this entire movie. You should be worried. And yes, I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did do that. I wrote to Barrett. I was like, I have an insane idea because we obviously sin over candling all the time. Mm, yeah. And it's just all over this movie. So, of course, I thought, well, is this a bonus round? And yeah, yep. I definitely went through and counted them all. Nicely done. Um, I also have two more just super quickly. Yeah, go for it. One is from Lazarus who says, I can tell you why the masquerade is held in the lobby. It's a French style theater. Uh, they were made for socializing, so uh, so much so that a lot of the patrons only showed up before just to be seen mingling in the lobby and then left before the performance. So the lobby is actually the best place to hold any sort of festivities. It's nice. literally made for that. And I didn't know that. I thought that was a really cool insight into the theater. Uh, and my last one was from Stephen, who says, word of the day, decolletage, a low neckline on a woman's dress or top. On an unrelated note, I may have a new interest. <laughs> <laughs> Decolletage fetish. Uh, I went with Zach Brown from the South Park video. Uh, quotes the video. Oh, he's a fan of ours? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> he quotes the uh, video saying, this light switch is on the wrong side of the door. And then he says, it's been that way in my bedroom forever, and it's never bothered me until now. Thanks. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's really funny. I think the uh, the light switch the light switch thing is... Something I just always notice, it, like because it does happen in homes where light switches are placed in the strangest things, places, and, yeah. and sometimes it's because doors change, like you know the door is hung differently mm-hmm. one time than another. Sometimes it happens because rooms are walled off that weren't before, and all of a sudden there's you know like an outlet that's in a weird place. Like that stuff always, you know, makes my mind do weird things. But yeah, you should never have the light switch. You should never have the door open towards the light switch. That makes absolutely no sense. So, yeah. Because then you have to, yeah. What about you, uh, Jonathan? Uh, mine was from Brick and Morty, and it was uh, Fuzzy Stripe Tail. I just thought this was funny. Even though the yellow Pop-Tarts are famously bad at jumping, they do contain just enough Plutonians to work in conjunction with fans to prevent the Zigerians' computers from overheating. <laughs> that is one of my favorite, <laughs> like, running jokes in the comments is somebody who, like, uh, takes all the sins and combines them into one sentence, yeah. <laughs> like, kind of thing. That is, that is and fun. And giving credence to the yellow Pop-Tarts right. can't jump. Right, yes, exactly. Which we all knew before this Sins video. You know, they just can't. <laughs> they just can't. Uh, let's move on to Beyond the Sins. To infinity. And beyond! Somewhere beyond my wild history. To boldly go where no man has gone before. We're just going to chat about something else from the world of pop culture that we have seen recently. Um, I can kick us off. I recently got around finally to watching uh, Miss Americana uh, on Netflix. This is the Taylor Swift documentary. Um, and I really enjoyed this. That's why I wanted to talk about it. I hmm. I think I have a thing for... Uh, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Yes, um, 
totally. I mean, she's pretty. Very creepy. It. It's a very creepy thing I have. No, I have a thing with uh, really talented musicians and just seeing how they channel that. I, I really love the Bieber documentary, the first one that came out. Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, there's also a there's a Britney Spears uh, semi-documentary. It's like a series on Hulu from the New York Times that came out recently. I just I really kind of dig that stuff, kind of seeing how talent informs, how fame can mess with people and inform people. And I was I was really impressed with the level of self-awareness Taylor Swift continues to have even at her level of fame and uh, wealth. And it's one of those things where, yes, I know that this is kind of a self-produced marketing more of a documentary than a lot of them are. This is not somebody from the outside, you know, telling a story. This is very much inner circle. And so I know there could be, you know, stuff left out, whatever the case may be. But there's a level of access here where there are several scenes in this movie where you see the moments where she comes up with an idea for a song and where she's in the room with a collaborator and they're listening to a beat and she's like, what if it was this here? And they come up with the lyrics to these, you know, now iconic songs. And it's just, I love that stuff, man. I just, Mm -hmm. I think that stuff is so cool to see and so interesting. And then you add on top of that, the philosophical stuff she's pondering about what fame means, what it means to her, how she was always taught to value applause and approval over anything else and how that's impacted her. She talks about, um, the way she's viewed her body and the way others view her body. And so like she'll see herself and, you know, she'll have to take breaks from certain social medias or she falls into these brain traps where, you know, she starts starving herself again. Like she's, she's really open about just a lot of how fame can really mess you up. And at the same time, she is just so contemplative about her own um, existence and who she is that she really finds her way through it again, at least in this, you know, documentary, she really finds her way through it in a really healthy way. And I just think it's a great example for any of us. No, I was going to say young women, but for any of us to look at and go, okay, how do I navigate my own version of this? What does my world, you know, look like? Where are my pressures coming from? How do I pressure myself? Those kind of things. And, um, man, I just, I was, she also talks about, um, the moment she decided to be political for the first time, which just happened, I think a year ago, um, with the, um, Tennessee Senate race, the Marsha Blackburn um, race in Tennessee, and you know how she made that decision, the kind of the cost, quote unquote, of making that decision. I just I was really blown away by how vulnerable and interior this documentary was allowed to be. And again, part of that is is it's because it's from her and her camp. So you know she has the control to make it what she wants it to be. And I understand that, but but it does allow a level of access you wouldn't normally get. Um, and so that's, I, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. It's called Miss Americana. It's on uh, Netflix. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, it's been out since I think summer of 2020. Neat. So yeah. Neat. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, I'd recommend it to both of you. I think both of you would enjoy it quite a bit. Um, so yeah. Denny, you've been to a show, right? Yeah. I've actually seen her live. Um, a friend of mine had two daughters, uh, has two daughters. And one was able to uh, get tickets to go see Taylor Swift with her friends. And the other daughter really wanted to go. So her parents were like, okay, we want you to be able to do this too. This is a pretty big deal. So we'll buy the ticket for you, but we have to figure out who's going to drive you (laughs) and we can't do it. And so they called me and said, hey, can you chaperone our daughter to Taylor Swift? We'll buy your ticket. And I was like, uh, 
sure. And so we got to go see Taylor. It was and yeah. you showed up and you were sweating and you were panting. And you got into the concert emotional. just as the gavel hit. And yeah. So, so such a different experience because <laughs> I had, I knew of Taylor Swift. Yeah. I had heard her songs, but I was not a Swift fan. But in that concert, I became a Swift fan. It was experiencing that concert that made me genuinely appreciate her as an artist. It was really incredible. Watching artists in concert is when you really start to appreciate what they're doing. I've um, never been someone who likes to go to live concerts. Me either. But I've been to a few, like very few live concerts. Uh, this was something out of my realm of, I had no idea they could be that much of a spectacle. Yeah. It was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, I will I will go ahead and mention because I did watch it back to back with the framing Britney Spears thing that I was talking about on Hulu as well. Um, and I would just say that is a very interesting back to back watch because of how different Britney's story has been from Taylor's. Uh, even though they come from a very similar, you know, teenage girl hits the spotlight, you know, probably too early, tries to figure out what that means. Um, and I, there's there's some stuff in the Britney one that is revelatory interesting but it's so much stuff that i already that i think anybody knows kind of about her story um that there's so few there's such little new information there um that you know i wondered uh if it was necessary however the element of the fact that she's in a conservatory do you you know what no that's is that what it's called are we getting into britney too (laughs) yeah might as well uh okay do you know what like a conservator is do you this is yes so i've been following this okay Okay, yeah. so that that part of it I found a little bit enlightening. Um, Are you talking about like her or their parents? Yeah, so the it's fact her father. That at one point, uh, she was declared to need somebody else to take charge of her life. I kind of remember that. And, yeah. and she's still under that. And so the free Britney movement is the idea that she doesn't want to be under that, but she's trapped. And she so can't. hasn't she recently gotten out from that? Kind so of, but not really. This, this morning, a judge rules against Britney Spears' father in the latest estate court hearing. It's not necessarily all about the conservatorship. I haven't right. looked a lot into it. I just saw it pop up on Twitter as we were recording this, so I'm not sure, but it says uh, he Poor lost thing. his bid for the right to delegate the singer's in, uh, investments and his objection to an earlier order that made uh, another person part of her estate. She has very few rights, but most of the court order <sighs> stuff is all uh, under lock and key. Like You really can't look yeah. at it. Um, so it's very difficult to make a lot of judgments about it. But um, remember me telling you guys about that lawyer, Emily D. Baker, mm-hmm. a little while ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's done a couple videos where she breaks down what a conservatorship is, why this one is a little bit, I mean, is so different than others, and what we know and what we don't know. So if it's something that you want to get into, she's got some good right. videos that kind of break why, it down. Why was she even declared like unable to take care of herself? We don't know. That is we part of the what we don't know. Um, See, that's what I don't, that's what I, that's, I mean, but, I, I don't need to know it's none of my business, but like, that just sounds so messed but up. But usually like, these conservatorships are for a specific type of relationship where someone is mentally unable to take care of themselves. Usually it's older people when they are and senile. And yeah. olders, yep. And, but the, that it's done for someone who can clearly work and make decisions and that her, it, it's, it's the idea that her father can tell her when she can have children, when she can work, when she can't work what she can and cannot do. Uh, she, I, she, apparently one of the things that I was just reading about is that she's not even allowed to have a cell phone. Um, 
that kind of stuff, the fact that there's somehow this is legally being allowed is just really strange. So there's a lot of people trying to get into it and figure it out. Uh, uh, I guess he fired her manager without her knowing, or that's one of the assumptions mm. that's being made. So there's just a lot of really weird things that are coming up, which is why there's a free Britney movement. There's an entire group of people trying to figure out how to get her out, out of this. So if you so. want to take a look at what the uh, the New York Times uh, put together on that, that is on Hulu, um, and it's called Framing Britney. Um, but yeah, Miss Americana is awesome. Go see that on Netflix. Jonathan, what do you got? Yeah, it's really, I mean, Aaron and I are always on the same page every week. I mean, he's talking about Taylor Swift this week. I'm going to talk about a Chuck Norris movie from the 80s. Yeah, it's weird how that happens every single week. No, I've been watching a lot of, uh, I've been watching a lot of older stuff. I haven't watched anything new. So this was, I just, uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I just, I find this fascinating. Um, So this is a movie called Hero and the Terror, and it's from 1988. It stars Chuck Norris, and it was... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> released by Canon Films. Um, if you're not familiar, do you know what Canon Films, Aaron? Nope. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do not. Okay. Canon Films is this uh, film company that was um, uh, in the, it had been around for a minute, but in the late 70s, I think it was bought by these guys, uh, Minim and Globus are their last names. I can't remember their first names. And they just, the story of Canon Films throughout the 80s is super fascinating. And there's actually a documentary that I highly recommend even if you've never seen any of the movies. Uh, it's called Electric Boogaloo, uh, The Wild and Untold Story of Canon Films. It came out a few years ago. And uh, so we're in 1988, and Chuck Norris is making this movie called Hero and the Terror that's getting released in the summer of 88. So what's interesting about this to me watching it is because you know Chuck Norris had popularity for sure, but like he never really reached... like. Like he wasn't like he never got movie wise. He never got to the heights of like Schwarzenegger and Stallone. So like in 88, you've got Schwarzenegger and Stallone are like well on their way. Like they're kind of getting in their prime. Um, Bruce Willis uh, had just come out with Die Hard earlier that year. So he's kind of jumped onto the action scene. Uh, Van Damme and Seagal have also uh, jumped onto the scene at this point because they had released their first films earlier in the year. Blood Fist, uh, Blood, Blood, Blood Sport and uh, uh, Above the Law. And then so you've got this like this this Chuck Norris movie where it just it feels like so like like Chuck Norris is clearly trying to figure out a way to stay relevant. And at the same time, you've got Canon Films, who the year before this had basically like pushed all they went all in and they had three big movies over the top Masters of the Universe and um, Superman four. And they all flopped like just massive flops. So they're You're trying not going to sit here like, and tell me over the top was a flop. Come on, man. That was yeah, a huge yeah, success. Was, Financial boon, I'm flop. sure. <laughs> it was a flop. But uh, but anyways, but they um, they uh, so so they're trying to kind of keep their head above water as well and not go bankrupt and all that stuff. So th- they just released this. So they make they they have this big summer tentpole with, you know, Chuck Norris and it's hero in the terror. And it's not like a bad movie or anything. And it's it's a perfectly watchable movie. It's basically he's um uh he's a he's a cop that uh was almost killed by this serial killer uh who goes by the name who they call the Terror. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's played by um shoot I forgot to write that down. He's played by the guy who plays Non in Superman Two, one of Zod's henchmen. Um, hold on one second. Let me look that up real quick. It says. Danny was lucky three years ago with the arrest of Terror, a serial killer of young women. Danny's about to be a dad when Terror escapes prison and is back to killing. Will Danny get lucky this time? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the movie. Jack O'Halloran plays uh, Terror, 
And uh, Steve James plays Chuck Norris's partner. He was in a lot of these films around this time that Cannon did. He was in like the American Ninja movies with Michael Dudkoff and and stuff like that. But uh, but I don't know. But it's a perfectly watchable movie. It's fine. It's it's definitely very much an '80s thriller. It's trying to be like too many things though. Like I don't think it ever knows what it is. Like it's kind of a it's kind of a straight up cop thriller. But then it's also kind of a slasher film. Like it's definitely playing off the, which a lot of these action movies in the eighties did that just because the slasher film was so popular. And, um, it's also kind of trying to be like a drama. Um, and it's just, I don't know that it completely works. So maybe this is kind of a wreck of Warren, but the movie is so fascinating. I, I just, all the, all the, basically anything with Canon in front of it always interests me around this time period. Because it's just the things they were trying to do. I, I don't even know how to... If you don't know anything about canon films, uh, I don't know how to get into it. it. It's just so wild and crazy. I highly recommend that documentary, Electric Boogaloo. It's basically a studio that was that was built on the back of cocaine, I think. So hmm. it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Like, they, uh, they bought up all these random properties. Like, they bought up Agatha Christie rights and Superman and all this stuff and He-Man. And tried to make all these movies with them. They tried to like they tried to do the old studio system thing with stars. So they they like signed Chuck Norris to this ridiculous contract. Uh, Charles Bronson, uh, Jean Va- Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, Stallone, and uh, and they were just losing money left and right. Yeah. But they still kept making these just crazy like big ass films. And yeah. uh, I don't know. And then they eventually crashed. Uh, like a lot of these you know studios did. Sure. Um, Where you go? But anyways. Uh, Hero in the Terror. So that was just out of the things I watched this week. That was probably that was the most interesting story behind it, at least. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I've never been a huge Chuck Norris fan. Uh, but I haven't. I can't honestly say I've seen a ton of his movies. So yeah. and uh, he's got some interesting political views. Uh, so that's another thing about him that's fun. Well, but, um, <laughs> I just know him for the jokes. You know, you get you get your yeah your and Chuck, Walker Texas Ranger. Get your Chuck Norris. I have joke. watched the first few episodes of that Walker reboot. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, Chuck Norris doesn't read books. He stares them down until he gets the information yes. he wants. Uh, My favorite was, uh, what is it? It's like when you go to bed, you're looking in your closet for the boogeyman. The boogeyman's looking in his closet for Chuck Norris. Yes, yes. That is very true. It's it's very true. Danae, what about you this week? I'm going to recommend a kid's show because that's pretty much all I watch. But I found one on Netflix called Chico Bon Bon, and my daughter is obsessed. <laughs> Chico Bon so Bon, wanted... Chico Bon Bon. Uh, Chico Bon Bon, it's, it's a British-Irish children's animated web television series. Guys, can you tell that I'm reading Wikipedia? On a series of books. It's based on a series of books by Chris Munro. Um, so it's Chico Bon Bon, a monkey, and, and his tool belt. It's a uh, Chico Bon Bon, monkey with a tool belt. So he uh, solves problems around town with his buddies, Tawny the Mouse and Clark the Elephant and Rainbow Thunder, a daredevil cat that tries to solve problems and they use STEM concepts. So, of course, there's an element of education that I really enjoy. Um, So, yeah, each episode, there's something that happens in town that they've got to go solve and they use uh, science, technology, engineering and math to do so. Um, and Iris is just super obsessed with it. She calls it ching- Jingle Bong Gong, um, which is freaking adorable. And there's quite a quite a few uh, episodes to enjoy. And I would recommend it for uh, people who have littles or anyone who just likes watching kids shows. <laughs> it's pretty cute. And I like the way that they solve problems. Um, they kind of state what the problem solving will be at the beginning. And then they try to uh, solve the issue multiple ways 
And then he takes a banana break and figures out the exactly what to do. And As then you does. get to see them solve yeah. it. Solve you the guys, have you guys ever watched Team Umizoomi? Did you ever watch that with any of your kids? Mm-mm. That's the one my daughter watched a lot. That was, they had Mighty Math Powers. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was always backyard against for my kids. So she we're would. dating the ages of our children here. Uh, Absolutely. It's so interesting that we're all, I mean, similar age range, but our kids are all such different age ranges. That's, that's, uh, that's kind of, I just miss my daughter saying she had mighty math powers. The the, the worst part about this is that it's not a popular, uh, like, it's not like a popular show like Daniel Tiger. So she, she, her birthday's coming up. She's about to turn four. And um, I asked her, you know, what do you want for your birthday? She's like, I want Chica Bonbon toy. There are no Chica Bonbon toys. <laughs> it is, it's all like Redbubble where you can go and print your own stuff. So you can mm-hmm. take a, a stolen image from the web uh, right. website and you can make it into a sticker or a very expensive and overpriced blanket um, or a t-shirt or something. Oh. That's just clearly that. Um, there's also people who create their own Chica Bonbon stuffed plush toys uh, by crocheting or knitting that you can get on Etsy. So I can That's buy cool. I can buy a Chico Bonbon plush knitted toy for about eighty five dollars if I want to. Um, so instead, I bought polymer clay, and I'm going to try to make my own. So we'll see how that so, goes. Sounds like you just need to take her to Disney World. Uh, sounds what it sounds like no, to me. No, <laughs> so what you're no. saying is you're cheap, and you won't buy the eighty five dollar no. stitched with. Guess love. you don't love your kids. Nope. we're going to get clay, uh, and we're going to try to make a little figurine. <laughs> should be fun. Iris is very specific. We were looking at a picture and I was explaining that I was going to buy clay. We were going to try to make a little clay figurine and bake it in the oven to make it hard so she can kind of carry it around. And she's wanting to make the intricate tools on Chico Bonbon's tool belt. And I had to explain to her I'm not that talented (laughs) and that this will probably look very simple. Uh, I, I, and, but we're going to try because we, you know, if she wants to draw something, we just sit down and we try to draw it. So I've actually... I've drawn That's amazing. Chico You're an amazing mom. I just would have dropped 85 bucks and <laughs> been done with it. Well, I want her to know how to create too. I you know. know. I know. No, you're better than me. I got yeah, you. Yeah, I'm 100%. Um, no. <laughs> we, we, I was watching this Twitch channel of this guy. He's insanely, incredibly talented. He sculpts these amazing sculpts uh, and then paints them. And, you know, he's just mm-hmm. so, so talented. Um, and I was watching him and I had him up on my laptop because the thing that he was sculpting wasn't like too scary. Some of them are kind of frightening looking, but uh, just mind blowing stuff. And she's watching him and she's like, I want to do that. So we got Play-Doh out. And so she's playing with Play-Doh while he's crafting these incredible things. Play-Doh is awful to sculpt with, though. It's so soft. So uh, I was I just sent up a chat like uh, my four year old or my, my nearly four year old and I are watching you sculpt and we're playing with Play-Doh. And so he was just talking about, you know, if she's really into creating things with her hands play-doh is great but get her into polymer clay you know so she oh, can that's cool. so she can get used to the harder uh materials and crafting them and then we you bake them in the oven and they turn into you know a solid you know material which is what he does too but there's these new clays that are being in, invented essentially uh which allow a lot more flexibility for longer and so it was just really interesting getting into this whole like clay idea so yeah, we're gonna create some little characters together and nice. go through the, the the highs and lows nice. of creating something and then dropping it and it falls apart and gluing and all that stuff. We'll have to experience that together. But I'm kind of looking forward to it. 
so thank you, Chico Bonvon, bon, because it's inadvertently <laughs> created a problem solving. I mean, this is a show about problem solving for kids, and her problem is there's no toy. So we're actually going to go through the whole solution of creating mm. our own. It should be interesting. Speaking of product, my mom bought one of our shirts, and I told Aaron about this when we were doing Sif Pop. My mom always calls our podcast behind the scenes, and um, so like I was talking to her, she's like, "Hey, I bought one of your shirts." I didn't know which shirt she meant. So I was like, "Which shirt did you get?" She's like, "You know the behind the scenes one." I'm like, "Did did did you read the shirt? Because that's <laughs> it's not what it says." But <sighs> love her. God bless her. God you know, today her. every child at some point needs their introduction to uh, black market unlicensed characters. You know, like it's something <laughs> everybody has to do at some point. That's going to wrap it up for Behind the Scenes this week. Don't forget to make sure you're subscribed. You can go ahead and leave a comment or rating as well. If you've got anything you want to send us, you can mail it to us. P.O. Box 881, Republic, Missouri, 65738. You can also hang out with us on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Dicer. She is at Denise Says. D-E-N-E-E-S-A-Y-S. And he is at Sam Loomis 13. So for Jonathan Watkins, Danae Hughes, an uncontaminated screen door, and myself, we will see you next week. Oh, my God. Oh God. Aaron Dicer. Aaron Dicer. Happy Battery Day. Thanks for listening. Send any feedback to BTS at CinemaSins.com. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. Find more ways to connect by visiting cinemasins.com slash BTS. Now, why am I the only one here? Why, oh, why am I the only one here on a Friday morning? Did I go to the wrong place? Did he go to the wrong place? And why is no one with him? Oh, the cheese and crackers, Batman! The curtain calls is revealed! Well, it's quite possible it's the COVID talking. I don't know. I've got... Oh, how are you feeling? Uh, for the first time, symptomatic. Yeah, I'm a little bit, uh, just oh, no. a little bit something, something, but, uh, oh, no, how's your wife? She's fine. She's through. What? So is she not with you anymore? Whoa. Hey, no, we're great. That's awkward. In the same part of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, I know you guys won't judge me, so I'm going to confess to something. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, don't drive because it's icy and it's stormy and it's wintry. I've only left the house in the last four days to go to the drive-thru. Like, I've braved the storms. I've braved <laughs> the streets for Sonic. <laughs> you've just got, you've got top priorities, and uh, those those tots are going to get you in trouble. So, Danae, the question becomes, what is the thing that would keep you at home and keep you away from your beloved tots? Like, what is, like, lava? Like, lava in the streets? Some sort of Mount St. Helens? Laziness is the only thing that keeps me from my tots. <laughs> Laziness is the only thing that keeps me from my touch. All right, fair enough. Acid rain, <laughs> <laughs> frogs falling from the sky, full magnolia. Still See, going what's funny for her about tots. that is, I, I think, wow, if this is the end of the world, I think I want one more tot. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, Sonic, I think you found your next commercial. <laughs> Jeremy's uh, um, spoken. Uh, Martin Lampdow. Uh, I was dying. Yeah. When it's, he had pulled a string, mm -hmm. oh my God. What? A uh, picture, he a doodle. 
I don't think you would get it unless you watched unless you've seen Ed Wood, which you should watch Ed Wood first off. Yes, Danae, here's a movie you should watch. <laughs> what? I'm not paying attention. What? <laughs> <laughs> but he just he drew a he drew a picture of a lamp, and there's an actor named Martin Landau, and he called it Martin Lampdow. Ah. It was just fun. It was it's good times. It's really good times. Oh my god, fun with Jeremy. That was almost the name of the YouTube channel. Fun with Jeremy. <laughs> I'm just going to let it run its course. Huh? Just going to let you it... you say I'm getting divorced? What? Mm-hmm. Yep. I just wanted to announce that here first. <laughs> That'd be fucked up. All right. Let's get, let's get ready to go. <laughs> I'm getting divorced, by the way. One, two, three. Welcome to... <laughs> like BTS. last week when you're like, Vision's dead. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. Hey, you want to move to town? There, there are some houses for sale. Are you still on Zillow? No. Yes. Did you see the Saturday Night Live Zillow commercial? No. I don't think so. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. Okay. For your viewing leisure. What is that? That is the SNL Zillow oh, parody. Cool. Uh, knowing Danae, she's already clicked on it and is already watching. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say well, this is for later. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 